I think that this is going to become the dominant form of online marketing as people just realize, look, why, why would we pay for inputs when we could pay for outcomes? They're finding that the Google Facebook duopoly, the prices just keep going up. So I'm excited to see this become sort of a channel that gets rather than the the sort of redheaded stepchild that really gets upgraded in the marketing suite over the next year or two and becomes maybe one of the primary things that people are working on. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today's guest is uh, very interesting. I had a chance to have a look at his background, both personally and then corporately, and I found his TED Talk really, really inspiring around how he works with his team. My guest today is Robert Glazer. He is the founder and CEO of a global performance marketing agency called Acceleration Partners. He is a serial entrepreneur and has a passion for helping individuals and organizations build their capacity to elevate. Now, for those of you who aren't aware of what performance marketing is, performance marketing is when the advertiser, the the company that we're advertising with only gets paid if there is a result. And in this case, if there's a sale. So instead of spending money on advertising and wondering what's going to happen, you work with someone like Robert and find a publisher, you partner with them. And through that partnership, they get paid if they convert the message to sales. So uh, with Robert and his company uh, under his leadership, Acceleration Partners has received numerous industry awards and uh, as well as that uh, company culture awards, including the last door employees choice two years in a row, um, ad ages, best place to work, entrepreneurs, top company culture, great places to work and Fortune's best small and medium-sized businesses three years uh, in a row, as well as the Boston Globe's top workplaces two years in a row. And then Bob was named uh, Glassdoor's list of top CEOs to medium-sized companies in the U.S. ranking number two. And uh, you know, you might ask, well, why is this important? Well, the reason that it's important, at least in my, uh, my opinion, is when I'm buying services and looking for companies and individuals to partner with, one of my concerns is longevity. So yes, services got to be there. Yes, pricing has got to be there. But beyond that, how does the company run and how does the company treat their team? So Bob's also a regular columnist for Forbes Inc. and Entrepreneur Magazine. And his writing reaches about 5 million people around the globe uh, who resonate with his topic, which, you know, topics which range from performance marketing, entrepreneurship to company culture, hiring and leadership. He's a sought after speaker. He shares his uh, insights every Friday in a Friday forward email, which I've just signed up for. And I'd encourage you to, after you listen to the episode, if you like what you see, that you do the same thing. And he reaches about 100,000 individuals through that email. And he's also the host of a new podcast. So I want to give a shout out to Robert and his team as new podcasters. And the name of the podcast is Elevate with Robert Glazer. He sits down with leaders and thinkers and authors to discuss, you know, personal growth and helping others be- live their best life. He's also uh, the author of two books, Performance uh, Partnerships and a second book, Elevate, which will be out in October 2019. Now, he doesn't just work outside of work. Bob can be found skiing, cycling, 
reading, traveling, and spending quality time with his family and overseeing some sort of home renovation budget. So I'd like to welcome Robert Glazer, founder of Global Performance Marketing Agency Acceleration Partners to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, Robert, I'm super excited to have you on the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Doug. Good to be here. Well, what's really cool was that before we got on air, I made sure that I took a look at your company and, and did a little bit of background on your company. But I was really taken back by your TED Talk, which didn't talk about your company much at all. And it really talked about your approach to working with your team and being transparent and honest with your staff. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to change the conversation. As I've said, I think there's been a lot of playbook handed down from generation to generation of kind of command and control leadership and the practice of two weeks notice. And there are a lot of things that just people have done that don't make sense to me, particularly in the context of trying to build a good culture. So it's not easy, but we've we've tried to really change the narrative on these things and have some programs that are different. Again, sometimes it's it's hard. <laughs> you talk about a behavior that people have practiced over seven or eight jobs to, to kind of unwind. <laughs> unwind them from that. And, and, yeah. and we struggle with it sometimes. But, you know, I, I just think I think the relationship between companies and employees is going to be different. And 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 Reed Hoffman just wrote a book called The Alliance that be more of an alliance. And I, and I am aligned with his philosophy on that. So we want to have good transitions in terms of how people come in and how they leave and, and have a more open conversation about that and build a productive alumni group and not, you know, not have a lot of these kind of awkward situations. Because as I said in that talk, and I don't think people, a lot of people realize at the time, you know, all is well that ends well. And how, how these, how these relationships end have a dramatic impact on the memory of the entire experience. And that could be, you know, an employee who did, you know, great work. Um, and then how they left really, you know, kind of tarnished their reputation with their managers of the company or, you know, a company that had sort of a great experience with the employee and then just how they handled the end, you know, sent that employee off as a as a detractor into the world. Well, and for me, I think, you know, looking back at the recommendation I make to my clients is we're partnering with different companies, whether it's media companies, other advertising companies or uh, software uh, service companies is in the back of my mind, it's, it's goes way beyond, you know, um, are they the can they provide the best product at the at a fair price? It's like how, uh, what's the longevity of the company look like? So if we're going to partner with somebody, uh, you know, the idea of getting a fair price is just, okay, you have to do that. But, you know, is the company going to stick around? And and one of those, you know, things you need to consider is, well, you know, what, how do they treat their employees? Are their employees happy? Are they going to, are they going to be there? Or am I going to partner with this company or invest in this company? And then uh, a year later, six months down the road, two years later, find out that, um, you know, things aren't going well. Yeah, I think Simon Sinek, said it best. I think he said, customers can never love a company unless employees like it first. So I know as a, as a, as a someone who buys services from other company that people, what we hate, what everyone hates the most is account turnover, right? That the team they're working with and got to know, I remember some vendors were little on five different people in two years. And after a while you just get fatigued. So that really, that really impacts their satisfaction with you. And yeah, you know, we, we hope that people, we think we do the best work in the industry, but they also want to work with us because of the type of people we are and our philosophy. And, you know, when the bleep hits the road, you know, that, that how, how, how people behave in these situations. And I think demonstration of how they've, the integrity that they, they've shown is, is, is really where it becomes a differentiator. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, stuff goes wrong. And for me, lots of times I look at, uh, you know, companies and situations and if they haven't had a major problem, then I don't know how they're going to react if something goes wrong. So I never take it. I never look at it critically and like, oh, well, they, you know, this went wrong with their company. It's like, how'd they deal with it? Oh, they dealt with it. Fine. So if something happens again, I can trust that they're likely to follow that same protocol and things will be okay. Yeah, I, I you know, there's a lot, I think there's, I mean, there's some data, I don't have the, that a problem resolved well is better. The relationship is better than if you never had a problem at all. So, you know, these are opportunities. Also, I think the first 90 days, we, we, we have a a whole set of process in the first 90 days, because I think that that is when you're building trust and you're either working from a trust deficit or a trust asset. And if people start questioning your trust from the beginning, it's, it's really hard to recover from that. So that's a great way to transition from how you treat your partners or your your team to what you do for businesses. So do you want to just take a minute in in your own word, just share, you know, what Acceleration Partners does? Sure. So Acceleration Partners, um, as far as I know, is the largest independent agency running affiliate and partner programs. So we we help brands mostly direct-to-consumer brands, e-commerce, B2C, set up large-scale affiliate and partner programs where they have hundreds, if not thousands of partners who are across publishers who have a myriad of activities, whether that is deal sites or blog sites or comparison shopping sites or the properties of, of large media companies who are interested in engaging with these brands on a performance basis and getting paid for the outcomes that they drive, which are which are trackable. So while not an elevator pitch, I think that's probably a, a better explanation of, of, of what we do. So we help either start these programs or grow them, and we end up being the main interface with recruiting and interacting with all these partners on a day-to-day basis. Um, there's a lot of technology in partner marketing and affiliate marketing, but but what you have that's different from like a Facebook or, or a Google is that you have um, lots of partners. So it's kind of like running a large scale business development program at scale. So these are these are real people on the other side with questions, ideas, programs they want to run with you. And so we play that sort of agency role, similar to how you might have paid Facebook, your paid social platform, but an agency that manages that campaign for you. Same thing with search, you might have you use Google, but you usually have a, a search firm or do that in house. We, we manage the the programs and we use the different platforms and are experts in those platforms. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I've seen some really successful affiliate launches that have gone well that have, you know, quite quickly done seven figures because they've had, they've taken this sort of approach and they've, they've built a team and they've built a network and they've launched. So what, you know, what point is a good fit for someone to come to your company? Like, is there a certain size of company? Is there a certain sector that you guys specialize in? Yeah, the so so most of our clients are doing more than sort of thirty or fifty million online. I, I always say like I don't. There are different business models. We are really set up for for enterprise programs. That's been part of our kind of global push, and we have larger account teams. There are a lot of companies that work with again like any market, more of the SMB market. I don't think you should start an affiliate program or a partner program before you have a couple million in revenue because this is. You, you need some brand awareness. You need some traction on your product and pricing. This is this is an audience that if you're a new entrant and you're asking for shelf space and you haven't figured out your pricing and business model and you're going to have a lot of changes, they don't get paid until unless they perform. So they they run out of patience with you very quickly. So I, I think uh, search and paid search and even paid social 
kind of ramp up volume, figure out the pricing, figure out what works, get your economics. And then, you know, you're ready for an affiliate program, probably at a couple million in sales online. You can always run one smaller if you pick the right platform and you actually have someone who has time to to pay attention to it. But that in general, we tend to work with larger programs. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Like you said, it's performance-based. So from the publisher side, if I'm the publisher, I'm not going to get paid unless I sell your product. Yeah. And I don't want to be the testing ground while you're trying to figure out copy and offers exactly. <laughs> and pricing and delivery because I don't get paid for any of that. I only get paid when, you know, the credit card clears and, and you take delivery of the product. Yeah. And I'll give you a great example of this. We had, a, we had I mean, we, we turn down a lot of clients in, in the way of being honest with them about we just don't think it's the right fit. So there was a company years ago that came to us. They wanted to launch an, all these channels at once. They were going to do sort of swappable SIM cards in the U.S., and they had, they had a fair amount of money and, you know, most people are willing to take their money. And we just had a discussion with them. We said, look, this is not something that people know or do here. It's not like Europe. People just don't even understand this. We just would strongly, <laughs> right. yeah. you need to establish this first and, and yep. then do it. And, and they said they wanted to go ahead and do it. I don't know whether they did it with someone else or otherwise, but I don't think they ever launched. It was kind of a disaster. So, so we look, the partners that we work with, trust us, we have a long experience. So, we, you know, I don't want to bring them something that's going to be a disaster because then when I call them about the next program, even if I get paid, I call them about the next program, they're not going to want to work with us. So that was a great case where we were telling the company, like, you really don't want, I know you were offering to give us a lot of money to do this, but you really don't want to do this because it's not a market launch strategy. Like you would need to establish this as a product here, figure out who the right audience is for it. And then, and then maybe it would work for you. Well, I mean, good advice. I mean, it's, you know, I always say that it's, you know, if I can't, if I don't, it can't help somebody. The best thing I can do is, is introduce them to somebody who can. Yeah. People don't like when we won't work with them. Um, but <laughs> I, unlike a lot of people in our industry that just, you know, we have partners or we talk to platforms and they're like, oh, we want enterprise, but how do we have a $200 offering? And I like, we're very comfortable with what we do and what we don't do. Like we are not trying to do everything. I'll refer to other people or competitors if it's not a fit, if it's, I actually always think the really good companies are super clear about what they say no to. And it's interesting, you know, you know, the phrase, the, the, the company that, you know, you want to get into the, the club that wouldn't have you. There's sometimes even when we're like at capacity and we don't like over promising and under delivering. And so we say to client, you know, we just can't take you on as a client. We don't have a start date in the next couple of months and people get all angry. And, and these are the same clients that ask us for a proposal and then don't respond seven months later. I'm like, I don't yeah. remember owing you anything. Like, I, I, I you know, I, aren't you more appreciative that I'm not going to just say yes to you when I don't have the staff to, to, to do it? That's funny. Well, I always judge kind of the service level with my, you know, my, my, my pre-sales, uh, conversations and I look at how responsive they are. And I'm thinking, if, so if I can't get people to respond to me inquiring off the website and then following up, you know, that's what I can expect after I send them money. The difference is now I have more urgency because I've sent them money. Yeah. I, 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 I sorry, I was going to say, I, I agree with that. I think that, I think the prospecting process is a great dating thing. I know someone years ago was complaining to me in a, in an interview that they went in and this, the guy who was interviewing her was just total chauvinist and a jerk and all that stuff. And I was like, uh, great. Aren't you glad that you saw that in the interview and you didn't, and you didn't, <laughs> yeah, you didn't, didn't go to work there? Like I, I'd be more worried if he kind of didn't act like himself in the interview. And then, you know, you saw Jekyll and Hyde on the first day. Yeah. You show up Monday and you're going, who yeah. is this guy? 
Yeah, I had a job experience that once. They made all these promises and Monday I went in and found out, yeah, none of the things that HR said were true according to all the staff. So it was time to readjust by noon. We, we, we had someone from our company who, again, through this sort of transition program, wanted to do something different, got a great job, uh, had a culture somewhere else, told her she could work from home, got there and said, oh, you can't work from home unless you want to take a pay cut. I mean, just amazed. It, you got to be really careful about what people <laughs> say versus <laughs> what they do. So can you walk us through an example of how somebody scales? So, you know, I've got an online business. I'm selling, um, you know, B2B or B2C and I've got I've got a few million dollars in sales. So I've been doing that through, you know, traditional marketing, maybe some direct mail and and, and digital marketing. And now I come to you and say, OK, I, I want to take this to the next level. Is there an example of a, a client you'd like to share or just a general example to walk us through that process, what that looked like and what the result uh, looked like? Yeah, I think it's probably better if I just sort of amalgamate what that looks like. And, and you know, not to give away a secret, I always joke, but I don't think what we do is, is rocket science. I think the difference is we're applying real resources against it. So if someone came to us and, and, and did not have a program and wanted to launch a program, and, and let's just say they're 10 or 20 million online, I think just kind of this will give a little more variety. So we would talk to them and we'd say, all right, well, um, what are you doing now? Which other departments, maybe your influencer department, partner, other, are you doing stuff that actually could put onto this platform? You know, are you looking to work with a traditional network? Do you want it more to be a SaaS sort of partner program under your own brand? Are you going to be US only? Are you going to be global? And a lot of these questions would help us make recommendations for which platform or platforms they would want to want to work with. Then what we do is we, we with them, we'd pick the, the, the platform partner, we'd set up all the uh, program. We put creatives in the systems, offers. We build all the workflows and the welcomes and all this stuff. You're, tr you're treating like a partner like you would sort of a customer. Like we're going to kind of acquire them, retain them, give them sort of a, a, a welcome series. Uh, and then what we do is we go out and recruit. So you're always in this life cycle of recruiting new partners, getting them active, and then getting them engaged in new and more. It's kind of, again, like sales from you have people in the marketing funnel to they're starting to you're trying to expand your, your work with them. So we always need to be recruiting new people, but but it's probably split between the time spent on, on recruiting and business development and then engaging the current partners, figuring out what they need, what their site's like, what campaigns they want to run and, and helping them to do more business with with the brand. So, and then you're looking at all the reporting and analytics and making decisions on where to pay more and less. And that that's, that's a very high level of what a program would look like. So on an ongoing basis, we're putting new creatives in the system, we're building new campaigns, we're sending emails to partners, things that they can do, letting them know about product releases, sales. We have to, a lot of brands make the mistake of taking their consumer messaging and sort of just repackaging it to their partners. For us, like it's a little bit different. Let's say that. So when you're referring to partners, so I clear up. So same as affiliate, a, partner, a synonym for publisher affiliate. or affiliate. I, I actually find partner to just be a easier, more universal word than publisher or affiliate. So person with content or audience. Okay. Who is working so with that, the, so those are your the brand? So those are your partners. Yeah. Okay. And and then the other guys are your are your brands or clients. Brands or advertisers, yeah. So or advertisers. Okay. People with the money to spend on the on, on reach and and they're selling the product and then the people who have who have reach and that's basically this is the whole premise of 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 affiliate marketing partner marketing is that the internet is sort of broken down between people who sell stuff and people who build audiences and communities and this is really a way for them to. To get together and and each you know not have to do with their 
not good at. Right. And uh, that take advantage and leverage the audiences and the community that those, um, those brands or those partners in your case have built. Right. So let's say as an example, I, I had started this blog years ago and I build and it's like top mystery books and I rank number one for this and everyone's always coming to me to like the top mystery books. Well, I, if I want to monetize, right, I can either start writing mystery books or figure out a way to get paid when people buy those those mystery books from from the other vendors. And, and, and conversely, you know, there's people who are selling mystery books that just don't have anyone coming to their website, you know, searching for what the best books are in general. They have people come in when they don't want to buy. So really, it is just the ecosystem kind of partnering up to match up supply and demand. So do you see uh, an increased demand, like in terms of your business? I know I, I heard your numbers. I think you, you said you'd grown in a thousand percent. So obviously your company is growing, but do you think that uh, represents the affiliate industry or is that just, is this just you guys taking market share? I think it's both. So in the good news and bad news, I think, so the industry is kind of rebranding itself as partner marketing. We wrote a book a couple of years ago called Performance Partnerships. Because there's a lot of legacy baggage associated with some of the affiliate stuff that's done through lead gen and list swaps and otherwise, I think people you know mis misperceive or have have a negative connotation when it comes to then doing more traditional revenue share based affiliate. The industry tried to rebrand itself as as performance marketing, but that covers like that's all the paid search and social and even SEO are calling performance marketing. So it just kind of yeah, yeah. got into a little bit of a mess. There's a lot of money and resources behind now this 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 notion of of partner marketing as the whole, and I think affiliate marketing is part of that. So some of the old school affiliate marketing I think is dying, which is great. Like the the scammy stuff, the hey, we don't know who we are, we break an offer in ten pieces and resell it, and all this stuff. I think the the using technology to build scalable partner programs in which there's a lot more transparency is growing a ton. I, I think we. We were early on that, so so we've been seen as a leader in that. But the technology platforms are all moving that way. You know, here's the technology; you control how you do with it. There's there's a little less of a network focus, and and we see a lot of growth in that because the the all these companies going direct to consumer are not interested in brand budgets. They are interested in paying for sales. So even if like like say it was five years ago and Pampers was doing a lot of brand marketing. Well, now if Pampers has a subscription diaper service that's direct on their site, that marketing has moved into that budget. And if, if publishers and, and sites out there want to get into that budget, they're really looking to do that on a performance or an outcome basis. So we've seen all the large media companies and all their properties that were doing display ads and saw that revenue kind of collapse over the last couple of years because of programmatic. They're all now kind of jumping into the performance space. And before they'd say, yeah, we'd run a banner ad. And they'd say, oh, well, now we're willing to maybe develop some... <laughs> develop some content and work on a performance basis. So I, yeah, we see funny. huge growth under this new bigger umbrella of, of partner marketing and performance partnerships. Well, I, I love that. I mean, I love what you're saying. People aren't interested in brand marketing. They're interested in selling products. And I've, I've felt that way forever. And I've just never heard anybody else say that. So it's good to hear that there's these two of us that are thinking that way. Yeah, look, let's talk about like Procter and Gamble. I mean, they're not they're not a client of ours, but there's some similar ones where if it's five or ten years ago, all this money would be going through sort of brand and co marketing and all this stuff. Well, brands like Unilever and P and G and otherwise are now setting up direct e commerce stores on their website and are looking to sell and are now trying to learn how to do you know affiliate and paid search and paid social and 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 so uh, it's really shifting the the balance of the marketing portfolio. 
So looking at where the industry has come from, I mean, it's funny because, you know, uh, we're both in a, in, a, in a marketing industry. So there's this confusion in the industry and maybe this bad stigma around affiliate marketing because of the bad players that were there. And now you're rebranding that to being partner marketing. And in my space where in my industry, I used to talk about email list rental all the time and people say, oh, it's illegal. It's like, no, I'm partnering with brands. It's permission-based. So now it's moved to sponsored email. So again, a rebrand. It's just interesting that in our own industry, that's all about communications and marketing, that there's still this misconception and a misunderstanding of what it is that you actually do. Yeah. Look, at its simplest form, whatever you call it, it is tying, it is paying for outcomes, right? It is it is a CPA on a performance basis. Yep. I think a lot of the bad name that came around affiliate was you had two things going on. A lot of like vagary, kind of cloakery around what is this person doing? I don't even know who my partners are. It's, it, that's why I like the word partner, not affiliate. Like Affiliate is this person that is selling stuff for my brand that I don't know who they are, right? Or yeah. even what they're doing. And I think that's not what brands are interested in anymore. And because of all this last in attribution and that that was the dominant model of, of attribution, it, all, a lot of these guys were just smarter than the brands and figured out how to be last in. So they weren't necessarily creating value. It was like, how do I find a guy who's already trying to go back to the cart and intercept that? And because there's no transparency you know, then they don't really need to see what they're doing. So a lot of these affiliates were really doing things that weren't fundamentally valuable to the brand. And so I, I think that between that and kind of the lead gen selling, buying leads, you know, when you go to a show and it sounds like scalping tickets, like buying leads. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I've heard a show guys like we're selling Russian mobile traffic. And I was like, well, I don't even understand what that is. Like, is that, <laughs> that, that's, that's where a lot of the bad reputation comes from. Sure. No, fair enough. Yeah. So just, yeah. so I'm just, so I'm clear and clear for our audience. So in terms of expectations, so what you're saying is that it's performance based. So, so what I know, so what I know who the partners are. So if, for example, if I'm working with you and one of your partners was, I don't know, the New York times and they were going to do something. So would I know that? Or is it like you said, often it's just a black box. You don't see that. Yeah. So, so in the, with the brands that we work with and the programs we run, it is fully transparent. So you would know what your partner's doing, what they're doing, what pages, we even insist because there's a whole thing of sub affiliate networks where people aggregate other partners. Sure. And almost all of our clients insist that the uh, sub affiliate networks expose all of the underlying partners and publishers. Because a lot of times you'll find that you rejected someone from the front door and they ran around uh, the <laughs> back door in, yeah. uh, to get in a different way. Yeah. So, so what we believe is if, can, can you imagine if it was like a franchisee company and they were working with, it's like, McDonald's or Panera and person's like, well, I'm opening a store and I'm not telling you where it is. Like when you franchise, like you see the register, you see everything, you approve it. So, so similar thing here, the brands that we work with, they want a fully transparent program and they want to know who they're working with and how they're working with them. Now, I know there's a lot of fear, I think from particularly affiliates five, 10 years ago, oh, well, then they'll just copy what we're doing and all that stuff. And I really don't see it that much. If you were doing something that was like kind of a, a, a gimmick or like a, like a little scammy and they're trying to plug that hole or you were buying their traffic or something like that and they could just go do that, then I could see that. But usually you're partnering with, you know, if Adidas partners with Vanity Fair, it's not that Adidas doesn't understand what Vanity Fair is doing. They just don't run a publishing company with that much right, content. Yeah. So I don't... Uh, 
when you get down to that level uh, with larger partners, there's an acknowledgement that that is not that is not what we do. Well, and uh, you know, I've been on the receiving end for affiliates because my wife writes for a health and wellness blog, and one of our partners is Reebok. Yeah, and so I mean, it's an affiliate partner, and they're for for us anyhow. Our our experience as consumers has been great because they're super responsive. They've always got great offers, which is helpful for the blog, and their offers are good, and they move product, and they're responsive to us as affiliate partners. Great, we manage that program, so that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if you're just good relationship, again, Reebok is in the business of manufacturing shoes and selling shoes. You know, they are not going to build a 400 person content and magazine and website team and all that stuff like that. I think they'd much rather partner with people that have that and 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 find a way to work productively with them. Well, that makes sense. I mean, in this in this case, you know, every week there's new content going out, and and they can only have so many staff. Um, like you said, they're they're in the shoe business. They can only have so many people on staff that are writers and graphic designers and audio guys to produce content. Exactly. So, what are you most excited about in your industry in the next six to twelve months? Like, what's what's happening? Yeah, I think we're really excited at the momentum behind partner marketing, getting this at the C-suite level. Uh, I think affiliate marketing was always this thing kind of onto itself and not integrated and and kind of off in this little little world of its own. But but it's, I, I think that this is going to become the dominant form of online marketing as people just realize, look, why, why would we pay for inputs when we could pay for outcomes? They're finding that the Google Facebook duopoly, the prices just keep going up. So I'm excited to see this become sort of a channel that gets rather than the the sort of redheaded stepchild that really gets upgraded in the marketing suite over the next year or two and becomes maybe one of the primary things that people are working on. Well, one of the things that came to mind when you were kind of giving me an idea of dollar volume is, you know, I was, we've been looking at some online businesses that are for sale and a couple of them have done, they're doing extremely well. So they're kind of in your revenue model. But they're doing it all on Amazon. So when I reached out for their financials and I said, hey, you know, uh, can you tell me how big your customer list is and how current it is and how you maintain it? I got a note back saying, well, we don't have any of that information. It's all through Amazon. Does this change your interest in the business? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I'm not, market, it's a marketplace play. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm not I'm not interested because if it disappears off Amazon tomorrow, it's 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 gone. But, you know, is there an opportunity to take something like that that's, that's maybe doing five or, or six or seven million dollars and move it from a marketplace at into into a partnership or into a relationship with you guys? Yeah. I, I, I or, or just to be a little more diversified. So I look, the reason why that business was successful was probably totally different and really work to under, to do the Amazon game. But yeah, I, I think particularly people see this as a really great balance to the Amazon, you know, market marketplace game or Google or Facebook or just these really large businesses that can change terms on them at any moment, right? You're doing 80% of your stuff through Google and they bump up their minimum bids 30 cents. So you're doing the yep. through Amazon and they change a the commission rate. So we, we, we've actually seen some publisher businesses that were monetizing almost exclusively through Amazon and rates change and things change. I mean, it, it can be a mass. And then they were looking to just diversify to work with more retailers than just Amazon because it can be hugely disruptive in any business. Concentration is great until it's not. And then, <laughs> and then it's a huge problem for you. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it doesn't end well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you see that too with even with the traditional advertising channels uh, being a lot more selective and a lot more restrictive on what types of products. I mean, the one that comes to mind right now for me that I see lots of people trying to fix is CBD. Yeah. So while while CBD doesn't have any any you know illegal drug component to it, it's not widely accepted, and and most of the platforms are just a no. Uh, period. Yeah, well, that's a great example of, you know, you could just license the software and build your own program and your partner program, and you don't have to worry about anyone else. The, the, it's very similar to what was gone on in programmatic, where it was all kind of third party networks. And now people are building their own in house channels, you can license any of this technology and just do what you want to do with it and build your own program. You don't need people's approval, you don't need whatever it's. Uh, so, so there's, there's, there's lots of different options around that. So a couple of questions and I want to let you uh, wrap up our, our day here. And so one question is, who's one guest uh, based on your experience that you think I should ap- absolutely have to have in my podcast? Uh, if you're interested in this space, I would try to chase down Mike Giacconi, uh, who's the CEO of Button. They're doing some really, really cool stuff in the, in the mobile partner and performance space. Okay, just making a note here. And where's the best place for people to connect with you, Robert, so they can get more information and see, hey, you know, are you guys a fit, how to learn more about the industry and to just take a look at what you're doing? Sure. So two, two places. Uh, if you want to uh, check out uh, our company, accelerationpartners.com, or you can Google Acceleration Partners. It might be faster. We have a ton of free resources on our website. We try to educate everyone on is affiliate right to you? When do you start? There's podcasts, all kinds of stuff that you can consume just to get smarter on the space. And then, you know, if it's something we can help you with, then, you know, please do. You can reach out there and someone on the team be happy to chat. Separately, my writing and uh, podcasts and a lot of the things that I do about culture and otherwise are at robertglazer.com. And I also have something on there uh, you can sign up for called Friday Forward, which was kind of an inspirational note that I started sending to my team four years ago. And and now it kind of spread and there's about 100,000 people who get it every Friday around the world. Well, yeah, cool. I saw that. And I did uh, I did sign up for uh, one of the white papers off of your website in terms of uh, in terms of affiliate and digital strategy. So yeah, I told yeah, there's to, a lot there's a lot of content there on is there. A, we, 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 <laughs> we we give we give away a lot of stuff. Again, we're trying to we want people to get smart and then and then if we're if we can help them, we can help them, but uh, it's not you're not going to like fill that out and like your phone's going to ring from sales the next minute. That's that's not how we do it. No, and that's what I noticed. There's a lot of really valuable content. So listeners, if you're considering affiliate and and you're looking for a really good resource just to get a good background, a good feel, I would really suggest going over to Acceleration Partners and taking a look through their their website there's a ton of information there and i think it serves two purposes like you said it helps to educate and it helps to qualify or maybe disqualify people that aren't ready or this isn't a fit so they can go someplace get some information say this is a good fit for me or maybe it's not yeah we're not for everyone and look if we if we're not the right solution uh then we'll happy to refer someone who is well, that's super cool. I love I love what you guys are doing. And again, listeners, I had no idea that uh, Robert and his company were managing Reebok. They're just a partner on one of the health sites my wife writes for. And we've just enjoyed the partnership and how responsive that they've been and the benefits and all the great numbers of shoes that we've been buying from them over the years. So I just want to say thanks, Robert, for taking time out of your day and sharing with our audience and giving us some insight on what opportunities exist in the affiliate space. Thanks, Doug, for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
So there you go, listeners. There's another way to grow, strategize, leverage your company, your brand, sell more products without going to the big guys and just paying for advertising. Think of taking advantage of partnerships with uh, someone like Robert where they can introduce you to publishers that get paid only when they perform and sell your products. I hear over and over and over again, people say, hey, why won't people work on performance basis? Well, here's a performance-based marketing channel that you can take advantage of. So I want to say thanks for listening to this episode. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.